0: Everyone, uh, my name is Larry Bradley. I'm, I'm not going to be preaching. I'm just reading the scripture. <laughs> but uh, my name is Larry Bradley, and uh, my wife Tess and I are so happy to be members. We just became members here uh, a couple months ago, and we we're so we we're so blessed with the congregation here. So welcoming to us, and we, uh, we want to thank you. Amen. And uh, the, and uh, I'm a. Uh, uh, substitute teacher. Uh, my wife uh, Tess is a third grade teacher. Uh, in Turlock she teaches at a dual language Spanish English uh, school. Right now she's doing nursery for the first time so uh, she's blessed to be able to do that. And we're so happy that uh, the music we're so blessed with the music with Bobby and Jamie, Matt, Pastor David and uh, of course Chuck and Casey now and uh, wow what a blessing. this is! Just a tremendous gift. We're so, we're so blessed. And the, the, the preaching of Pastor David. And we're just uh, so blessed. So blessed. And so we thank God to be members with you all here. And uh, I want to read uh, the scripture from Ephesians. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. So I'll give you a second to get there if you have your Bible. Uh, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 15 to 23. And While you're doing that, if you can go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. Apostle Paul, writing this letter of Ephesians, says this, beginning with verse 15, he says this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. May God's word be blessed. You may be seated.
1: Amen. Thank you, Larry. Not, not sure if you could tell, and he didn't, didn't mention, that's uh, a, a pastor right there, so uh, he, he's been on staff at Baptist Temple, which I think some of you are familiar with, and so definitely a pastor's heart, and so brother, thank you. Um, I know that uh, he's been a blessing to me, uh, definitely an encourager, and I think he will be to us, but it's, uh, we are blessed to have several men in the church who have that heart, and so that is a good thing. We, we need that. But as we're looking at Ephesians now, we're beginning a new series. And this series is specifically going to focus on Ephesians 6. But as we get into this book, I think it's important that we start at the beginning. And as Larry was reading out of Ephesians 1, you might have noticed a word that occurred several times in that passage, and that is the word prayer. It's the word prayer. Paul's praying. He's praying for this group of people. He's praying for these believers. And his prayer is that they would have insight, that they would be able to see things. It's praying that they would have insight. And I don't know about you all, but I, I kind of think uh, our sight is a pretty important thing every day. A lot of you, as I look out, I can say are very similar to me. You're, you're wearing glasses. You've got some things on your face that are going to help you see. And some of you probably are wearing contacts as well. But I will never forget when I was in the 10th grade in high school was when I first got glasses. And so obviously I was having trouble seeing, went to the optometrist, checked me out. Yep, you, you need some help. I was like, okay. So had other people in my family wearing glasses, so that wasn't a problem. But I forget, as I walked out of the optometrist's office, the sidewalk looked 3D. Like it was just like moving. And I remember that first step, I was like, I thought this, it was up here, but it was down here. And so when I took that first step, I almost fell off of the sidewalk. But eventually, thankfully, things adjusted. But one of the things that a lot of you are probably are aware of, your eyesight deteriorates over time. And continues to go, what I would say, downhill. Um, And so, of course, when I hit 40, the optometrist says to me, you need multifocals. I'm like, what? I've heard of bifocals. I have not heard of multifocals. So what are you trying to say about me here? And so I'm like, great. I'm 40. Here we go. And so the idea is, depending upon the angle of my eyes and tilt my head, how I look, it changes far, near, and up close. And so I had to figure that out and how I turned my head. And um, Thankfully, I don't have to worry about how long my arms are. I know some of you are probably doing that. You know, you got to hold it out here just to read it. Okay, I'm not there, all right? But I realized that my sight and our sight every day is so important. But see, as Paul is praying for the sight of these believers, what he wants them to understand is there's an unseen battle, a daily battle. There's things you can't see. But there are some things you can see. And one of the things that's very important to win in this daily battle is you need to see who you are. You need to see who you are. And so before we dig in a little further in Ephesians 1, let's go before the Lord and let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, it is precious. It is life. Lord, it gives hope when there is none. It brings peace when there is anxiety. It gives purpose and direction when we don't know which way to go. And so we thank you for it. And I just ask that you would magnify it, Holy Spirit, that you would just bring it forth, that you would open our eyes to see who we are because of who you are. And so I just ask that you calm our hearts, that we may understand, calm our minds so that we may comprehend, and Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, and that these would be your words. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, as we dig into the book of Ephesians, one of the things I think is always important is context and background. We always need some background. Where are we? What's going on? But looking at this book, Paul is writing from one of the places he often writes, which unfortunately is prison. Paul is in prison. And so as we will dig in Ephesians 6, specifically later on through this series, it will make a lot of sense because he's surrounded by Roman guards and what he sees. But he's riding from prison to a group of people that he helped start their church. On his second missionary journey, he came through Ephesus. And Ephesus, probably if we saw Ephesus today, we would think it was an amazing city. It was the, just the place of trade, the leading trade center in the Roman Empire. It was beautiful. It was sophisticated, it was wealthy, and it was pagan. And all of that centered around the worship of the goddess Diana. And so in that context, we can see how believers who have come out of this pagan influence and the culture and society, they're going to struggle with who am I? I realize who I have been, probably immersed in the worship of Diana, worship, excuse me, immersed in this culture and wanting money and all these things, but now... In Jesus, I'm somebody else and struggling with that, leaving the past behind. And so Paul wants to help them with these influences, help them to see themselves rightly, to see themselves according to God's word. Because see, how you see yourself affects how you see the battle. The way you see yourself affects how you see the battle. And it's important that we see ourselves correctly, because if you don't realize you're in a battle to begin with, you're headed for defeat. You're headed for defeat. And so, as I mentioned, Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And in verse 16, we get to see some of that. He says at the end of the verse, I pray for you constantly. And then in verse 17, he says, Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. He's praying for spiritual wisdom. He's praying for insight. He's praying that they are going to see things clearly. Because as he mentioned at the end of the verse, he wants them to grow in knowledge because the fact is there's probably something that's lacking in them and understanding. And I don't know about you all, but I have a lot of days where I realize I'm lacking. And I don't really like that feeling. But see, one of the most beautiful things is there is one who is never lacking. He is always enough. And he is more than. And his name is Jesus. And see, the beautiful thing in this, these couple of verses right here, 16 and 17, is we see what we call the Trinity. We see the God in three, the triune God, because he says, I'm praying to our Father. And then he mentions Jesus Christ. And when he says spiritual wisdom, I like the way the New American Standard does it better because it says Spirit of Wisdom, and that's a capital S. So we have all three parts of the Trinity involved here because the fact is we need all of God. But see, the idea here in this spirit is that you and I need help and it's the human spirit because we are mind, body, and spirit. The human spirit isn't energized by the Holy Spirit. The human spirit is energized by the Holy Spirit. and That's what he's praying for, that you're going to be energized so you can see. So you can see what you need to see and that hopefully you will experience more of Jesus. But see, there's something you've got to get through first. Because Scripture is very clear that before Jesus, you and I are spiritually dead. We are spiritually dead. We are separated from God. There is no relationship there, but God created you and I for relationship. His whole intent in sending Jesus, and as you read all of the Bible. You will see Jesus prophesied, Jesus at work, and then Jesus comes. And He came and died on the cross for you and I to pay for our sin, to deal with the fact that we are spiritually dead, to make us alive, to make us new, to awaken us to what God intended. And see, you will never see yourself correctly until you see who Jesus is and see the fact that you need Him. But see, once you come to that place, realize, Jesus, I, I see my brokenness. I see my sin. I need you. When you see that, that is the beginning of life. That is the beginning of newness. That is the beginning of what 2 Corinthians calls you being a new creation. And your spirit being alive. And so this prayer that Paul is praying, that's who it's for, is those who have come to know Jesus. And I pray that if you have never done so, today would be that day. But that's his prayer. Because the fact is, we're all in a battle. We're all in a battle. Every day, unseen. But there are some things we can see. And so if you're a note taker, I've got a few things on the back of your worship guide that I want to give you. Because the first thing we need to see, the first thing you need to see, is you need to see your hope. You need to see your hope. And see, Paul continued on in verse 18. He said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. He says there that your hearts will be flooded with light. So I don't know about you all, but I think we're all pretty in agreement that it's hard to see in the dark. That, that doesn't work too well. We need light. He's saying, I want your heart to be flooded with light. I want you to be able to see so much. But the idea here and the fact that he's already prayed for the knowledge of God is it's not just up here in your mind. It's in your heart as well. I want a movement as Paul's praying for both of these things, that you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to be overtaken by Jesus, that your heart will be flooded. And see, there's a joy when that happens. You see, a lot of times before Jesus, we're in the dark. We are walking in the dark. And when we're in sin, when we choose to sin, we choose to suffer and we choose to walk in darkness. And he's praying. Paul's praying that your heart will be flooded with light. That only comes through Jesus. But Because of this, he's saying that you would understand the confident hope. See, the question I think we have to consider is where does hope come from? See, today in life, a lot of people put hope in money and things In people. But he's saying a confident hope. A hope that's going to last. And see, that only comes through Jesus. And he says, A confident hope he has given to those he called. Those he called. Called to God by himself through Jesus. And see, if we back up a little bit in Ephesians 1 in verse 4 and 5, which we didn't read, but I want to read now and it'll be on the screen. Says in verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Think about the fact that there is someone who loves you, wants you, thinks about you and has been thinking about you before you were born. He knew the time, the place you would enter this world. And see, the beautiful thing is no matter how you got into this world, those circumstances, God still knows and God still chooses you. And see, that's where the hope comes from. As we have one who has called us and chosen us, See, oftentimes we've got people in our lives that we can look at and see who have let us down. People who made commitments to us, people who said, I will be there, and then they weren't. See, that's not Jesus. Jesus is always there. See, oftentimes it's we walk away from him, not the other way around. But he's there. And so this is where the confident hope comes from because you've been called. Jesus calls you by name. And I like how it says adopted into his own family. So now when you come to know Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him. He calls you son, he calls you daughter. And you are son or a daughter of the king. And this is where that hope originates from. This is where it comes from. But the exciting thing is it's not just a hope for today. We get this hope today in living this life. But it's also a hope for tomorrow. Because as you talked about, your glorious inheritance. See, we get paradise with Jesus. See, I can live today because I've got the hope of now. Jesus is with me, but I've also got the hope of tomorrow. So it doesn't matter what goes on today. I get that. I get paradise. I get a future. As Revelations 21 says, there's no more tears, no more pain, no more death. That's what I get to look forward to. So I get hope in both things, even when today stinks. Even when today is hard, I still got hope because I know who calls me. But see, when you don't have hope, why why would you even put up a fight? I mean, it's a daily battle going on, but why would you even fight? You see, when there's no Jesus, there's no hope. But when you know Jesus, then you know hope. See, that's a beautiful thing. We've got to realize, but we can't discount that a lot of days are hard. A lot of days are hard. Sometimes just waking up is a challenge. And sometimes we got to celebrate that. And I know sometimes when we come in in the morning, people will say to me, I'm like, it's good to see you this morning. How are you? And they'll say, I'm here. All right. Praise God. I'll take it. You're here. Because sometimes it's so hard to see when we're in pain. It's so hard to see hope. It's so hard to see that there can be more when we're struggling. And that's why our sight is so important. And I, I will never forget a, a time when, when Matthew was two and a time where his sight was greatly infected and, and it was not a, a great moment. But in my family, all of us, all five of us, at some point in our lives and everybody at this point either wears glasses or contacts. So contact solution, eye drops, all those kind of things, just a normal thing in our house. And you would see that. But this one day when Matthew was two, I was out in the garage with the kids and I don't, I don't know where Heather was. I'm pretty sure she wasn't home. But we were out in the garage working on some stuff and we had these lockers that were sitting out there. They had a little shelf kind of down at the bottom. You could hang a coat and then another shelf and that shelf was probably about right here. Okay. On that shelf was sitting some super glue. And so we're in the garage. We're doing stuff. And, and, and I admit, I, I wasn't paying attention like I should have. Matthew climbed up Grabbed that bottle of super glue and did that in his eye. And it made sense to me because I'm like, he'd seen eye drops. He'd seen all that kind of stuff. And that glue, when it hit, his eye snapped shut and he couldn't get it open. And he's two. He was crying, to say less. Thankfully, I wasn't crying, but um, we were trying to work through that got him to an eye doctor, and they couldn't get it open. Part of the reason they couldn't get it open is he wouldn't sit still. But we're thinking about his eyes. He's going to be able to see what's going on, what's going to happen. But he just wouldn't sit still. He would struggle. So they eventually had to put him to sleep. Gave him anesthetic, put him to sleep, got his eye open, never hit his eye. The glue never actually hit his eye. It was just on his eyelids. And man... I don't think Heather will let me live that one down because, you know, you were with the kids. You're supposed to watch, and I get that. But, you know, what? there's times where I think, and and just having that picture of, of Matt, and I remember just being at the eye doctor, and he's struggling, and he's squirming because he wants to see. And he can't see that there's hope right there. He can't see he's got someone who can help him, and they're standing right there. Because all he can see is what's the problem, the pain. And see, I think a lot of times that's us. We can't see that Jesus is right there. We can't see that there's any hope because all we can see is our pain. But I think also that's why we need each other. We need someone. We need people there to say, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. And so we need hope and we need to see our hope and that it only comes through Jesus. But it's not just hope. It's not just hope. There's so much more than that. Part of the reason we have hope is because of this next thing. So you can see your hope because you can see God's power. You can see God's power. See, Paul continues on in verse 19, and he's continuing his prayer. He keeps praying. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Man, I love this. Paul's saying, I hope you're going to see God's power. I want you to see God's power. And he describes it, he says, the incredible greatness. Or as the New American Standard says, the surpassing greatness. This is God's power, his strength, his ability to do things. This is an overwhelming power of what God has done. But see, I love this. As Paul just doesn't lay that out there and say, I hope you can see God's power and I'm going to go on praying. No, now let me tell you what that power is. And he continues on. As Larry read for us, he mentioned in verse 20, what is this power? This is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the power that brings things that are dead back to life. This is the power I want you to see. He continues on in verse 20. This is the power that raised Jesus from the dead and then seated him at the right hand of the Father. That's this power. This power continues on in verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority. The unseen battle that we fight, he's far above. Verse 22, he says all things are under Jesus' authority. Jesus is in charge. Any situation you got going on that you're not sure what's going to happen, Jesus is in charge. Also in verse 22, Jesus is the head of the church. See, whenever we start to think we're in charge of things, we need to remember who's really in charge. And in verse 23, then he says, Jesus is made full and complete in the church. The church is made full and complete. So Paul's given this list. I want you to see this power, and here's what this power does. We're not just talking about a nice idea. There's proof of what God's power can do. And see, Jesus is filling up all things. He's filling up all things. And I, I love this. I got this out of the pulpit commentary, this description of this power. It says, Jesus fills the church with his life, replenishes it with his strength, feeds it with his body and blood, beautifies it with his comeliness, calms it with his peace, brightens it with his holiness, and finally glorifies it with his glory. Jesus gives us all things. But see, we've got to see this power. Because a lot of times in the battle, we're thinking the strength is everywhere else. We're thinking the enemy is the one with all the power. The enemy doesn't do anything that God had not allowed him to do. And there are times we don't understand that, but we still need to remember who is in charge. It's Jesus. And part of our hope comes when we see God's power. We see what God can do. When we look at relationships and think they're dead, that God can bring them back to life. We look at people in our lives who have wandered so far away from Jesus that we don't think he can bring them back. This is his power. But we've got to see this power. But That's only when you see Jesus. Only when you see Jesus. And see, I think when we see Jesus and begin to look at him and who he is and what he can do, and the fact that even before his death, he would give sight to the blind. He would make the lame walk. The deaf could hear. The mute could speak. All these things. And when we begin to look at God's power and see who Jesus is, oftentimes the battle's not quite as scary. Because we realize who goes with us. Because this power has been given to us. That's what we need to realize, though. That's the qualifier of verse 19. It says at the end, God's power for us who believe him. Not everybody gets this power. This is the power for those who believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe? Because God has given us everything we need. How often are we walking through this like, well, man, I wish I had this, wish I had that. Yes, there might be things we like, but God has given us what we need. He has given us Jesus. Given us Jesus. But the question is, do we access this power? Do we access this power? Because I think in the book of James, we get kind of a glimpse of what we have to do. What makes this power available to us? In James 4, verse 2, James writes, you want what you don't have, So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. See, he says pray. Ask and you shall receive. Are you asking? See, there's a power that's available to us that I think a lot of times we just don't tap into. We think we can walk into the challenges and the hard things of life and never spend time with Jesus and never ask Jesus for his help and the power to do what he wants us to do. Because we believe the lie, and this is part of the battle, that we think we can handle it. We're not enough. We need Jesus. But do we ask for this power? See, as the Holy Spirit was about to descend in Acts chapter 2, Jesus told them in Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And yet, do we walk into our workplace and think, oh, man, I can't talk to anybody. I don't know what to say. You walk into that workplace with power. But see, you know what? If you're not opening the Word of God, you're not spending time with Him, what do you got? This is the power we have, but we've got to access it. We've got to ask God for it. But you see, without God's power, we're weak. We're weak in the battle. And see, this is the battle that Paul was talking about in Ephesians 6. And he tells them, beginning in verse 10, he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He didn't say be strong in the Lord and your power. Pull up your bootstraps, tighten your belt, let's go. No, he says, in his power. And in verse 11, he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Because see, this is what we need to realize. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are fighting an unseen battle. But realize what we just read in Ephesians 1. All of this has already been put under the authority of Jesus. So we walk into this battle with our knees shaking and we're worried because we got this picture of the devil with horns and a pitchfork coming after us. He's got nothing that God hasn't allowed, nothing. And yet we're afraid. That's why he says at the beginning, be strong in the Lord. How many times over and over again did he say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so, yes, Lord, when I walk out my door today, there's a battle I can't see. There's a battle for my heart. There's a battle for my mind to take me away from you and worship everything but you. But, Lord, you go with me. And so, Lord, because I've been in your word, you guard my mind. Because I've been in your words, you guard my heart. And so the forces that I can't see, that I know are coming at me, what I can see is I've got hope in you. What I can see is I've got your power, and you're going to see me through. But do we see these things? Because I have no doubt that I think when a lot of us walk into even church, walk into worship and our gathering, that we struggle with hope because we see all that we're dealing with. We see what's going on at work, we see what's going on in our families, and we don't feel a lot of hope. And see, that's where we gotta spend time with Jesus. gotta spend time with him, so that we're reminded and we can see the hope. Because see, that's our hope. You see, the beautiful thing is when you really begin to see who you are, you begin to see that you are a son and a daughter. And nothing changes that. Nothing changes that. Because God didn't call you because of who you are. He called you because of who he is. And when we see that, we begin to realize we've got hope and we've got power. But see, sometimes I think we need to have a spiritual eye check. See, one of the things about wearing glasses is every year I get my eyes checked. I go in and all those tests, they put... Puff eye air in my eyes, which I hate that part. They do all those things, checking your eyes. Say, oh, prescription's the same, you need new glasses, whatever it may be. One of the things I realized is even with that, I can have days where I get out of the shower and I put my glasses on and I go, oh man, my glasses are dirty, and I was seeing out of that. See, some of us need our spiritual lenses cleaned, we need them cleaned. And that only comes when you spend time in God's Word. But when you do, you will see hope. You will see God's power. And I believe then you will see who you are. And you need to in an unseen battle. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are good and faithful. I thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And Father we know there's a battle. I'm no doubt some of us walked in here today feeling it. Feeling the weight. But I pray that most of all that Jesus we would see you. We would see your power. We'd see the power that raised you from the dead. And I pray if there's any right now listening, watching, who have never said, Jesus, I need you. Today would be that day. And Lord, I pray for those who have made that statement. At some point in their life, they said, Jesus, I need you. Lord, they would realize the power, the hope that they have because a lot of days we don't see it. What we see is the ways we're getting pummeled. We see how we're getting beat up. We see the battle coming at us. And Jesus, I pray that we would see you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have called us. And some, even now, you're calling to yourself. So Jesus, help us to respond. You have given us everything may we accept it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.